Welcome to the first episode of Stonky Tonk. Uh, brought to you by Lehman Brothers. Use, <laughs> use code Stonky Tonk 2008 to get your free uh, checking account or whatever <laughs> Lehman Brothers does. And please trade responsibly. <laughs> yes, trade responsibly. If you're listening to this, you're, you probably know us personally. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're set on Stonky Tonk, that's the name? No, it's a working title for okay. sure. <laughs> Perfect. First episode about SPACs. A lot of people we talked to didn't actually know how SPACs work. But let's talk about what this uh, podcast actually is. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Tell me, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you have no, I have no idea. Uh, apparently, only 14% of people actively own stocks or actively invest in individual like by individual stocks. stocks. Yeah. 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 A higher number have 401ks and stuff, but they just yeah. passive. The, the one you, the figure you told me like two minutes ago was 55% have like stocks. According but, to a Forbes article. Yeah. yeah. Fuck Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For no, we'll bleep that out. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the, the goal of this, first of all, is for us to force, force us to be like, to force us to, to force us to educate ourselves about stocks more, right? Because we we don't really know that much ourselves, and on the way to that, that on along that journey, we'll bring everyone else. Right. We don't know that much. We're a little bit ahead of you. It's kind of like when you when you learn in class from like a college professor and they're reading the book like a couple weeks before you. Yeah. And they're teaching you. Yeah. And in reality, they don't know that much more than you, but it just forces everybody to be a little disciplined about it and to be a little more thoughtful about what the hell we're all doing with our with our money and how we're thinking about our future and and all this stuff that does impact all of us financially. And I think the uh, the crux of it is, you know, fuck anyone who says. Oh, you're just a retail investor. You shouldn't be dealing with these hidey tidy things like options trading and and some of the more complicated stuff that I mean, I think it's complicated, but it's it's not as as complicated as like doing an oil change, right? <laughs> like, I I don't know. Interesting or, or changing a transmission That's or something. True. I, like it's it's just yeah. like it's just it's not like it's a third order like differential equation. It's like money goes in here and then money goes in there and then there's a legal document that says 20%. It's not really complicated stuff. It's just sort of hidden out there. Right. And there's a lot of gates from the general American public for you to really understand these things. And that's why there's this term called retail investor and people are just kind of shit upon if you're just a real retail investor. Right. We do have to be honest though that we all are all are retail investors that have some level <laughs> oh, of limitations. Yeah. Can I just say this, and, this podcast is a terrible idea. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think that's the, the goal and I'm super excited about it. I think we've got a great first episode and we're going to have some guests on the show yeah. uh, coming up. And, I don't want people to know about this though. We, we should have an anti-referral fee. <laughs> we pay you to not tell your friends about it. How, how, how does that sound? It's like an exclusive public podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not exclusive. We just, it's just unpopular. That's, it's kind of, that's the same thing as exclusive, right? <laughs> I didn't have any seventh friends in seventh grade because I was exclusive, not because <laughs> people didn't like me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, what's um, next? I have an idea for you as part of this podcast. I haven't told you yet because I want to get your genuine 
reaction for the content, you know. Content is king, as they say. It's a tough times out there right now. There's this thing called the coronavirus. People just raided the capital, tough times. And I think people are losing their jobs. Uh, so I was thinking, instead of, we kind of fire our sponsors, Lehman Brothers, and we do, every week we, we pitch a charity to people for them to, to donate to. And then we'll do like, I don't know, we give a fixed amount and then we match up to a fixed amount. I don't know what those amounts are. And so every week, it incentivizes us to do the, the podcast because we uh, give money to charity. So, what do you think about that? Live reactions. Li- oh my god. Live. He fucking hates it. Yeah, yeah. Fletcher Richmond does not want to give money to charity. <laughs> yeah. I knew this would happen. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's cool. It's basically like the sponsors of the podcast, right? Uh, yeah. Like, instead of having sponsors, we... Uh, we could even have cheesy ad music when we talk about the charity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. This episode is brought to you by. Yeah. Um, and and the, the first one, I, I, uh, I haven't actually done much research, but we're going to do a food bank. I think there's one big food bank in the United <laughs> States. Um, we actually, I haven't really, I was going to research a charity, but I didn't. <laughs> I have no excuses. <laughs> I have no excuses. Uh, Great. Cool. So like a, a national food bank or a local food bank? I, what are we thinking? I don't know. I thought we were going to edit that part out. But yes, <laughs> we will do a food bank. That was what I was thinking. Uh, it would be actually kind of funny if we did a gambling addiction charity. I just thought of that. <laughs> Terrible joke. I have a bullet point here that says we each say three goals we want from this podcast. <laughs> we just talked about some goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the... The big goal for me is like, okay, the number was 14% that are actively invested, right? Mm. If we could get that number up by 1%, think of how much money we could make. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. That was a joke. Uh, No, if we could get that number up by 1%, I think that'd be a huge impact. And three or four million people that that, invest because of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, so look, the things that that I want to get out of it, one is my own personal knowledge and, and getting more, uh, becoming a better investor myself yeah. and getting more disciplined about how I think about it and how I articulate to others. The second is both encouraging a lot more people to participate as well as educating them on how to participate well. And then the third one you just showed me, which is learning how to weave uh, charity and giving back into that whole process. Mm-hmm. So those three things to me feel like like pretty awesome goals to, to get out of this. There you have it. Do we need to introduce ourselves, by the way? Like, yeah. Should we say our names? Yeah, I mean, like people know nothing names? about us. Yeah, okay. Do, we, do we need to do like our background? People don't give a shit, I don't think. Maybe they do. People do. Okay. Like who was... We have, we've established zero credibility. We yeah. just oh, jump no, right in. But that's in. the thing is we have zero credibility. We are not smarter than the general population. Well, that could be our introduction. Yeah. Hey, I'm Fletcher Richmond. Uh, I'm from Colorado, and I started investing on Robinhood in 2015. <laughs> and because it's been a bull market basically the entire time, I've done pretty well. But I did sell some Tesla three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yep. Hi, my name is Komran Rashidov. <laughs> that's a very, that's a mouthful right there. Let's be honest. There's a lot in there. 
I don't know much about investing. I've probably bought my first stock in 2015, I think, when I got out of college. And like you said, bull market, you're going to do well. There's an interesting quote that you reminded me of, like when you said something about the bull market, which is like in 1929, they said, if your shoe shiner is giving you stock tips, you know that something's up. And so I think the corollary there is if your podcaster is giving you stock tips, <laughs> there is something. So that, that's another reason why I think this podcast is a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, like what advice or not, what the fuck are we going to talk about if this was in 2008? Like what the hell would we be saying? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the market, when the market's tanking. Yeah, yeah, the market's tanking. Everyone's panicking. There's like, like real systemic issues. Not like. Coronavirus. I mean, that would have been weird too, but like, yeah. what the fuck would we be talking about? I mean, it'd be interesting, but we wouldn't give any advice. We don't know what the hell to do. I doing. mean, if we were smart, we would have been saying buy every every single time it goes down, just keep buying. If you don't, had, but if don't you buy fucking, you know, j- don't buy uh, Bear Stearns, for example, right? True, true. <laughs> it's cheap. A dollar <laughs> per stock, you're not going to get any better than this, right? Netflix, though, I this is weird, but I did a I did a mm. high school project. This is your best credential, yeah, actually. This is my best credential. I did a high school project, I think sophomore year, junior year of high school. Netflix was priced at twenty dollars a share, and I was like, these guys are gonna blow up. So I probably would have told people to buy Netflix in two thousand eight. There you go. Should have right. started. There's my credentials right there. Do we go any more into into background? I think that's plenty for now. Yeah, you'll get to know us. <laughs> so SPACs Oh yeah, first episode yes. Every, every couple weeks We don't know how often we're going to do these no, yet, we To be don't. honest We do not We kind of like the idea of making it a little spontaneous Doing it when we want It's Friday night right now <laughs> We're both drinking a little bit of manly, classy drinks <laughs> And, uh, you know, Fridays are fun Maybe we'll do it on Fridays Maybe we'll switch it up We don't know yet but uh, yeah, the way we're going to do these episodes is we'll, we'll do an overview of a topic and, and give you a little bit of, of drop some knowledge on you about a topic. And then we'll also talk about some of the IPOs and, and things that are going public this week and give you a, a bit of insight into, into that, as well as anything that maybe we're buying or, or what our holds or whatever else are. So that's that's the plan right one of the yeah one of the things that i was always complaining about was fuck i don't know like somebody will say oh my god you know splunk is going public this this week or uh airbnb yeah airbnb is going public this week and you you just kind of forget about it you don't even prepare for the ipo and you're like fuck now i'm you know even it might not help much but it'll be better than being a week late right so Just so, knowing. Yeah, just knowing is, is a big part of the exercise here. Okay, so SPACs. <laughs> what, what is a SPAC and why is it better than an IPO? Well, and see. Why, why is it better than a direct listing? Is it better than. What, what is an IPO? Like, right. Do, so that's, that's where I think we have yeah, to start. Yeah. We have to start with what are the different ways that basically all the different ways companies go from being private to being public. Right. Yes. So an an IPO is one of those ways, initial public offering IPO. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that I feel like everyone is pretty familiar with. I, I thought a company just decides to become public when they open up 
Is that not how it works? They just IPO one day, yeah. right? Right. Well, like it, they're like, we're gonna be a big company. We're you know, ring the bell. Yeah, day one, we have a lot of money, a lot of investors. We're gonna be public. Is that not how it works? No. So when a company is successful and is feels like they are ready to go public, which was a whole so almost other topic of like, when do you go public? Right. Uh, a, a big private company decides, okay, we want to. We want to become a public company. And really all, all that these things are in the end is they're a different way to raise capital. Going public means that individual investors, anyone can buy stocks in your company. When you're a private company, there's other rules and regulations about who's allowed to buy stock in your company, which means that a much smaller group of, of people are allowed to buy stock in your company. You still have stock. It still has a price. Hmm. It's much much less liquid. But as a private company, you you just have access to a smaller pool of capital than, than going public. So when a company goes public, all they're really doing is they're choosing to raise money from everyone who wants to buy from them as opposed right. to a small group. As opposed to accredited investors only. And Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. And obviously I'm dumbing down for effect here, like just to get all the bare essentials down. I'm pretty sure most of our listeners know what an IPO is. Right. And they, they might not understand, though, the whole process around getting to an IPO. So often companies are working for several years uh, before they're able to actually get to that IPO. And, and so they find a yeah. bank. They they find, like our, our great sponsor, Lehman Brothers, yep. used to do this. And uh, <laughs> we've got folks like Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all these big banks. And they go to the bank and they basically say, look, we want to go public. And they pitch, a, uh, they pitch a few different banks. The banks will sometimes compete. One of them says, great, we want to take Airbnb public. We're Goldman Sachs and we're going to do a great job of that. And they have to do a bunch of very specific financial stuff as well. There's a lot of regulations that the SEC wants a company that's going public to comply with. So there's a bunch of financial work that happens before they even approach the bank. Once they approach the bank, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens. The bank does what they call underwriting. And this is a term I'd heard a bunch. I actually didn't really even know what <laughs> underwriting meant. I just assumed it was, I don't know, fancy fancy finance word. It's a scary word. It is. Because did you ever watch wrestling when you were a kid? No. What? There was, there was a wrestler called, called The Undertaker. He was really scary. And so when I think underwriting, I think Undertaker. Anyways, keep going. So the bank becomes the underwriter. Um, and what, what this basically means is the bank works with the company and they figure out what a reasonable price and reasonable for them is that they're willing to underwrite that company at. So let, let's take Airbnb as a recent IPO example. The, the bank came, they looked at Airbnb's business, they looked at the world and the markets, and they said, okay, Airbnb, we think that your shares are going to be worth something like $65 a share. I don't remember the exact numbers. I think they did 50 Yeah, at first it was a little lower, and then they'd go on a roadshow with that number. Um, they, they've underwritten it at this share price, which basically means they're willing to, to vouch for a bunch of shares being bought at this share price, and then now we have our our infamous roadshow. Well, hold on. The underwriting process seems like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of math and good reason behind it, but also mm -hmm. there seems to be a lot of nefarious things, right? Because you can just say this is going to be a great stock, underwrite it really low, 
and you know it's going to pop. But you're like, hey, look, there's all these risks, and we have to lower it. Right, and so, this gets into some of the problems with under, with uh, IPOs, right? Is that you just said we know it's going to pop. A lot of people look at it popping as a good thing, right? If we see an, an IPO that that increases in value the day of the the mm-hmm. IPO, everyone goes, hey, good job, Airbnb, your stock, it went huge. It's at $150 a share on the IPO day. And they're all excited. So just right? to backtrack, what happened with Airbnb is they IPO'd for 50 and then it popped to 150 that day, which essentially means they they undersold their company. Right. Right. And that's the thing most people don't understand is that the bankers just made a bunch of money. The, com- the, the company just sold a bunch of shares at 50 bucks a share that they could have sold for a lot more because clearly the value of their company was much higher. And so really the winner in an IPO is often the bank, the underwriter, the who's theoretically taking all this risk by underwriting at this share price because the other direction it could go is it could go down from the, the price that they've they've underwritten the, the company at and then they would lose a bunch of money. But banks have sort of become these gatekeepers that uh, are able to always underprice the shares or very often underprice the shares um, and, and and make a bunch of money. And back in the day, you know, when you li- literally had stock tickers, I don't know what a stock ticker is, by the way. It's, I think it was like the proto-internet, oh, right? right? Where they would like blast these little stock tickers out to... I, I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. But <laughs> back in the day, before the internet, before even, you know television and these things you would have people do a road show right like this was an actually valuable thing from bank bankers i don't know the well history. the road show i think was a legitimate like drive around to different places right. and sell the shares on trains and stuff yeah right yeah horses maybe i don't know how old's the stock market <laughs> they go get on the road and <laughs> giddy the up we should know that right i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and uh and now a roadshow is it's, it's, probably sending it's out a couple emails. Yeah, what the hell? Like Tesla had to do a roadshow, you know? Like I, I just imagine. Well, that's you... ironic. It's a car company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just imagine like, ooh, come down here to Tesla's roadshow, <laughs> selling at fifteen cents a share. <laughs> it's like it's it's ridiculous that yeah. this was even like a. Why would anyone think this is valuable? Like. I don't know. I, that doesn't seem like a good selling point yeah. from the perspective of the Right, bank. but this is the way that companies have gone public a lot in the past, right? And so and the thing here I want I want to talk about is as well for our audience, in, you're always talked about as this retail investor. It's because you only have access to the company at the final price after the IPOs actually already happened. So in this example where Goldman Sachs got shares at 50 bucks a share, retail investors like us weren't able to buy until the actual listing on the day of the IPO and the initial price there was $150 a share, 149. And so there that whole gain, that 3x gain wasn't even available unless you uh, are a bank or are an investor in a bank. So it's pretty limiting for for us as well. But we have good news. We do. We have good news with movements in regulation with direct listings and the emergence of these special purpose acquisition companies aka SPACs SPAC City 
And we'll, we'll get into that, but should we talk about direct listings first? I think we should. I mean, I think this is really just an overview of all the different ways that a company can go public, right? So the direct listing is a alternative way to go public that companies like Slack, Spotify, and Palantir have utilized, where instead of going to a bank, what they do, they still go through the whole process of getting their financials in order, writing what's called an S1, which we'll probably talk about a lot on this show, which is the prospectus to the public about here's my business, here's what it does, here are the risks, here's the the market that we're tackling. So they go through all of that process, but they don't actually work with a bank. So Spotify was able to basically just go and say, here's the price that we're going to sell shares in our company to the public. And then on the day that they have their uh, uh, effectively IPO, the day they list on the stock market, it's a direct listing. So they're just, uh, one day their stock ticker just shows up and now I can buy Spotify at the price that they've set is the initial price. And then from there, the market just determines the price. So that's the, um, uh, the way that that works. And previously, the only way to do that was to sell existing shares in your company, which is a bit different from an IPO where you're actually issuing new shares. But Comron, I think you just shared a, an article with me that they just updated that, right? Yeah, They're so doing... this happened as recently as the 22nd of December, 2020, where the SEC, which Eminem famously rapped about, <laughs> Because the SEC won't trouble me. Is that how it goes? Something like that. <laughs> I don't think he used the word trouble. <laughs> but the SEC approved a new direct... Co- the SEC new- won't let me be... Yeah, because they... Oh, what? That's all I know. <sighs> it's a great line. It is. It is a great line. Or let me be me. Something like that. So empty without me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, essentially, like you said... When you go direct listing, you couldn't issue new shares. So you took a lot of dilution when you had to go public. You had to sell off a lot of your company, which is not necessarily good, right? Because let's say you're a founder of a company and you want control, but you have a ton of shares. You don't really necessarily want to sell these shares because you believe in the company as you should as the founder. So you had to sell off if you wanted to do a direct listing. Now... I think in response to the emergence of SPACs, yep. the SEC is trying to deregulate the direct listing, which is... Just give it more flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, which is yeah. good news for us. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think in general, more flexibility on the ways companies can go public is, is a great thing. There's, there's, that, that's the other crazy thing uh, is that there really just aren't that many public companies in the world right now. How many are there? Like 3,000? Exactly. And it's like less than there used to be. We'll have to pull the exact numbers, but I know that there there really aren't as many public companies as there used to be. It was for a while very, uh, it was beneficial to companies to stay private. We had companies like Uber who really just, uh, people were throwing money at them. SoftBank was throwing money at them. And so companies were choosing to stay private longer because it was in their interests. And we've seen a flip of that recently. Mm-hmm. And I think it's due to these better ways to go public, but also due to the fact that the public markets are just honestly absolutely ripping right now yeah. for public companies. It's yeah. the interest rates are so low that there is so much capital that is being driven into the public markets the, the, and it's desirable to go public. Right. So well, SPACs, are we, are we ready for SPACs? 
Well, hold on. Before we get into SPACs, the thing about direct listings and traditional IPOs is you st- you still have to do a lot of regulatory disclosures. Yeah, it's a lot of work for the company. You have to typically they'll hire a CFO who takes companies public. That's what they do. So you can kind of tell when a company's gonna go public because they hire in an experienced CFO that makes the whole company operate in a manner that they'll have. Because a lot of these companies, it's these very specific set of financials they have to report on a quarterly basis. That's another thing we'll talk about in the show is quarterly reporting and an announcement of earnings. So <laughs> we, sh- we forgot to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. right. <laughs> we'll, do it. we'll do it for the next one. But I don't think it's earnings season right now. I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> I'm a retail <laughs> investor. I don't know shit. So what you basically do before you go public is you act like you're public for several quarters, if not several years, where you're reporting internally your earnings to your board, you're acting like you're public so that you have it's some It's like history. getting engaged, right? You Sometimes. I've you never... might just go to Vegas. Vegas, SPACs are the Vegas of, are they? of going public. All right, well, I would say we they have, are. We should talk about what SPACs are <laughs> okay. before we go. But, but to summarize, it's a lot of like regulatory work to go public with IPOs and traditional IPOs and direct listings. Right. Okay. So SPACs, should we like, it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple thing. It's not hard to, it's a blank We're not going to go super deep on it. There are some complexities, but we're trying to keep it. We want to keep these episodes relatively bite-sized and easy for people to consume. So let's just start with a high level concept of what a SPAC is and how Mm -hmm. it compares to a direct listing and an IPO. Uh, yes, let's do that. <laughs> so let's say it's your 13th birthday and I didn't know what to get you for your birthday. So what do I do? I either give you a check or I give you cash or I give you a, a, a gift, card. gift card. Yeah. yeah. And let's say I am a billionaire and I would like to take one of the companies that I've invested in public, but I don't actually know which one yet. Or it might not even be one you've invested in. Yeah. You're just like, I want to take a company public. Yes. and But you don't really know which one it is going to be. Or you just want to raise money to get that company public, right? A company. A company public. What you do is you open a... Sh- it's a shell corporation, essentially, right? Yeah. It, and it's called a SPAC. A holding company. Yeah, it's is. a holding company. Yeah. And this is all very legal. And it's all... Holding company just means like... It doesn't actually have anything in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The SEC has provisions around it. It's it's a thing it's that's been, it's been, it's been around for a while. Yeah. yeah. The, the creators of Cyberpunk seventy seven CD Projekt Red they went public through a SPAC. I think they might have been one of the first ones actually. And you make this blank check company. You go public with a random stock ticker. You create a generic company with a share price of ten dollars a share, typically. or yeah, typically, and it, there's no regulations around that, or twenty dollars a share, like somewhere in that range. And that company is a holding company, like we said, that doesn't do anything. Right. Which so key point here is your S one that you file. It's really simple. It says, "Hey, I'm a blank. I'm a company that doesn't do anything. That's going to acquire another company, and that's it. Right. What else do you have to report?" So you don't have to write this long S1 that says like, here were my revenues for the last two years and here are all my other things. You just say, it's like, I don't know that's a couple pages, but it's really short and simple compared with, I'm Airbnb who's been operating for 20 years. Yeah, Here's my history of 
every single thing I've ever done. It's just like, look, I made a new company and I'm taking it public. And like you said, there's no, there's no skeletons in the closet, right? There's, it's impossible. We had no revenue. We have nothing. Like, this is it. This right. Is, it's like, yeah. So. And at that point, you can purchase shares in that public company, right? Um, yes. It doesn't own anything. So yes. it's, it's pretty speculative. What you're, you're basically would be investing in if you were to buy shares in a SPAC that hasn't acquired a business yet. You're basically saying, I believe in the person who started this SPAC, and I think they're going to pick a good company, which people have been doing. They've been they've been investing in these SPACs right away. Let, let's go into that a little bit. Um, you say, I believe in this person. Uh, who are these people? So you're telling me we know about the people that do these SPACs. They're not just, they don't just sprout out of the air. There's press releases and stuff. I mean, you and I could make a SPAC, and who knows, maybe we will one day. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyone could do it. There are costs involved, so it's, it's not a, a cheap thing to to do. You you have a, what's called the sponsor of the SPAC who pays a lot of the upfront costs. I don't know exactly how expensive it is, um, but most of at least recently, the folks who have been doing SPACs are people who are well known names in investing, and that's why the SPACs are getting so much attention. Uh, so one that we talk a lot about that that we've uh, both invested in some of his big fans of Chamath. Yeah, Yeah. I don't Polly Papatia, and he is a really intelligent guy. He he was at Facebook early on. Yep. He basically generated a lot of their revenue engines there. Yep. Early investor in Slack. Early investor in Uber. I think. I don't know. Yeah. So so he had a, a. company called Social Capital that did a bunch of investments. Anyways, the point being, you have this guy who's a really good investor and you basically look at him and go, wow, he is picking and choosing to work with really great companies. In his case, he actually has access to really interesting entrepreneurs and CEOs. And what he's basically doing to these entrepreneurs and CEOs is he's saying, hey, CEO of Open Door, which is one of the the IPOs that he, uh, or SPACs that he did recently, Hey, CEO of Open Door, you're trying to go public, right? You're trying to raise some more capital. And uh, the CEO says yes. And he goes, well, look, I have this SPAC. I can take your company public and it's only going to take you a couple of months. So instead of years and all this money and all it's all this expense, I'm going to take you public. I'm going to tell you right now exactly how much your company is going to be worth. I can do that all by myself. I choose the price of of the price per share and the... Uh, price of your business, and we're going to take your company public. And the CEO goes, great, that sounds really easy. It's super simple. I, and, and they choose to work with Shamath. We, I think there's a huge missing link here. We've been talking about this corporation, and we've been talking about this startup, mm-hmm. right? It, there's, it still doesn't really make sense. What does the corporation and this startup that is not public yet, what does that have to do with the SPAC? And how do we make money off of it? <laughs> so, right. So, so hold on. There's, there's the first stage is this special purpose vehicle is public essentially from day one. Yeah. And anyone can invest into it, right? From day one. So you are buying shares in a company that nobody knows what it is. Right. It's it, the name of the st- the ticker is intentionally vague. It's IPOA, IPOB. 
you know, A, B, C, D, E, something. Pershing. Yeah. yeah like- Y-O-L-O. That would be a great... <laughs> or F-O-M-O. That would be another good one. <laughs> and... So you, you have this and you can buy right now, but you don't know. And that's the first stage, right? Yeah. And how, what happens next? Then the, the SPAC announces who they, their target company is that they want to, uh, to work with. So they, they make a, a press release. Exactly. They, they do a whole, like, yeah. maybe they go on CNBC and they say, this is the one we're doing. Right. And, but it hasn't happened yet. It's not official right. yet. Right. And at that point, usually something will happen with the, the share price because it is a public company. People react to, oh, wow, that's a great business. That's a shitty business. Uh, and they'll, they'll react and, and buy or sell shares in the, in the SPAC. So that's the second stage. There's right. three stages total. The first is make the, a SPAC. Yeah. The SPAC goes public and you know, it's this really hotshot investor that you've been following on Twitter and because they they tweet about it, and you're like, holy shit, it's another hot one. Let me buy. Right? You could. You could. Sure. Stage one. Stage two, that investor announces the target company. That's the actual like official term, I think. Target company of who yeah. they are going to go public with. Merge. With. Merge. That's yeah. the, that's the, the right. missing link, right? Yeah. The, and that's why this makes it so easy that's why you don't have to do all this regulatory disclosures and all that is the spac actually merges with this old existing private company yep and so they they don't have to do all of these right bada bing bada boom you have a public public entity and so they are actually optimizing for speed and not necessarily for price price yeah And, and that that is a potential negative downside for the stupid idiot retail investor that we or upside right it i I think we're still learning that like so if you're if you look at the example of airbnb where goldman sachs got to buy at 50 bucks a share and we all were only able to buy at 149 Mm -hmm. the uh if airbnb had chosen to do a spac they may have chosen a cheaper price when they chose to do the spac because they were they are optimizing for speed and not for maximizing their price they wouldn't have had a big bank shelling their thing to all these institutional investors. And it may have been something that retail investors were able to buy into earlier as opposed to waiting for the bank to run the price right. up and get all the in, the interest and excitement right. before it's, it's available to the public. Yeah. So I think that's still to be determined. We have been reading a bunch of stuff about some of the deeper complexities of SPACs and how the costs are shared. And, and they are all a little bit different. So... Uh, disclaimer, which we should probably put on t- around this entire show, we are not <laughs> providing investment advice. We are not broker oh, dealers. Shit. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're definitely not. We so, should talk to our lawyers, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lawyer, <laughs> so that's I, just the thing you say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is. yes, uh, this is. These are all just our our own thoughts and ideas. Please do not take this as investment advice. Can I just say also, full disclosure is such a cool thing to say, <laughs> right? Like, like if I'll, I'm going to buy some shares of Nike and then. Somebody's going to compliment my shoes. I'll be like, full disclosure, I'm an investor in Nike. <laughs> and uh, One share. Yeah, one fucking share. And I'm going to look so cool. Like, <laughs> who is this fucking idiot? Uh, but, every time that someone gives me my iPhone, yeah. uh, full, full disclosure. disclosure. Yeah. It's a great thing to say, full disclosure. <laughs> That's great. Um, so cool. So our SPAC now merges with, with the new company. And typically, there's a change of the ticker at this point. 
so, so IPOB, for example, uh, changed to be called open when the merger happened, and now the company is public. And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of interesting dynamics here because there's the, the whole like insider trading thing, right? Where if somebody knows that IPOB will be open door before it's publicly right. announced, is that insider trading? Probably. Yeah, probably. All right. <laughs> Gonna shut up there. <laughs> SPACs are interesting because over the next two weeks, there are 17 uh, IPOs and seven of them are SPACs. So almost, that's like 41%. And that's pretty big. Right. It's like, a high number. And I was looking through some of these SPACs. I don't actually know a lot of them. Right. right. Like, there's a, a couple hot ones coming out. We'll, we'll get into that later. But it might seem like a good investment to go in on something before the price is set. But a lot of these SPACs, you don't really even know what you're getting into. They don't even have to buy a company, right? They could, so they have two years to oh, decide if they want to buy a company. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing to, to, that I thought was really interesting about there being seven out of 17. Right now we've seen all-time records throughout 2020. There was all-time records of amount of capital raised for SPACs. But it's sort of a lagging indicator, right? If I'm IPOing a SPAC today, that's a leading indicator of future, right? I future capital raised via a SPAC and not via an actual IPO because an, an IPO and a SPAC going public for the first time are very different things, as we've sort of just explained. Right. An IPO, they've already done all the stuff they've gone through all these steps and and everything and they have a bank and they are actually this is their big day where they're trying to for the first time ever sell to to investors a spac the day they list is like it's more interesting than nothing at all but it's a lot less interesting than the day an actual ipo happens a spac is more of the slow build it's yeah. like hey the the spac is listed hey we announced what we're going to we're going to merge with and then hey we've actually done the merger right right so some of these ones that are listing in the next week may not actually merge with a company for years and if yeah. they don't then they just are basically returning your your money right and there are subtleties in in the protections you get when you invest into a spac especially before the announcement and before the merger there's uh, things called warrants and redemptions Right. And warrants are essentially a, a, an option to buy the stock at a price in the future. Yep. And a redemption is you, the, I think the SPAC can tell you, hey, you, you have to sell this stock and we'll give or you Or you can choose to redeem right, right. depending on it, the rules of the SPAC. Right. And, and, and it's important to note that for each SPAC, these are different. And for us dumb retail investors, warrants and redemptions mean nothing on robin hood <laughs> so if you're like you well, can't they do don't allow you to to buy warrants on Robinhood. yeah yeah is, so you, is what i understand so that was a big learning i had yeah. from this week is you can buy units in SPACs as well as stocks depending on the structure of the SPAC. and stocks are different from units when you're when you're buying public stocks in most companies you're buying exactly that you're buying stocks mm -hmm. uh buying units is a different thing buying units typically means you're getting some stock and some warrants yep and the way to know that you're buying units is when there's a u at the end of the ticker uh so we'll talk about a couple of these there are some that currently only trade with a u at the end of the ticker and you'll notice those aren't actually available on Robinhood, for example but are are available through other brokerages and other uh, ways to buy 
public units and public stocks. And, and warrants are a lot riskier. Right. Well, I don't know about a lot, but they are riskier. They're riskier. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think as far as we'll really go here, we, we want, want to, yeah. like we said, keep these relatively bite-sized, but that, that gives you a at least a primer on SPACs, direct listings, IPOs, and, and how all these and, kind of And work. how companies go public, right? Which is, which is the foundation of the stock market. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. All right. SPAC City. Yeah, what do we got? City. What do we got coming up this week? Okay, what, are, so what are a couple you got your eye on? This is the third part of the third and final. I don't know. It's Probably unless you have any goodbye. more surprises for me. I don't know. I don't think so. We have a list of all the companies that are going public within the next two weeks. In terms of brand names that people would know about, Poshmark, Petco, Petco. I thought Petco had always been public. I have seen Petco's. was a surprise to me too. Yeah, I have seen Petco's. Unless it's a different Petco, which would be a big surprise. Uh, Affirm. Yeah, Petco, Affirm. Morgan Stanley's taking Affirm public, it looks like. Goldman Sachs is doing Petco. And Morgan Stanley is doing Poshmark. So those are all IPOs, right? Those are all our traditional IPOs that we've been talking about. As Comrade mentioned, there are also a bunch of SPACs. Uh, Most of them are random tickers that that we really don't know much about in terms of of what they're going to do because they're just holding companies. Petco. Dogs. People are are buying dogs up the wazoo. Quarantine has led to a lot of pets. A lot more popular than babies, I think. So babies I, have been popular too, though. It's a, a never-ending battle in American culture: <laughs> dogs versus babies. That's the whole plot of Boss Baby, <laughs> starring Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Affirm. Affirm is a great company. I think you 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 sent some interesting. Yeah, there was a nice S one Club analysis. S one Club's a great uh, resource if you're looking for analysis of of companies going public. A firm is, I think, definitely one of the more interesting IPOs of the year. They are the company that uh, allows you to easily finance any purchase of any larger item online. So, so if I were to purchase a, a Peloton, TV, a, Peloton a, a TV, yeah. instead of buying it outright, I can do payments on it. And Monthly payments, it, maybe no AP, zero APR. Instead of Peloton no having to set up a whole finance department and all Just this. Just hook right into a, a firm. Yeah. Hook right into it for them. I'm sure they have an API. Those are hot nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Well. So yeah, I, I think that one's interesting. It's one that I'm going to probably take a pretty close look at um, before. I think I'm going to buy on a firm. That's, they're, I think they're going to be a fantastic company to yeah. invest in. I, I, I generally, I would say I love fintech. Um, the other fintech one that was announced this week was our our uh, good friend? We're not friends with him, but uh, <laughs> Shamath announced what IPOE will be merging with, which is a company uh, called SoFi. So um, this is a SPAC, correct? So uh, Shamath has the rights to IPOA through IPOZ. So if you talk, here is talking about IPO he, he anything. He bought every stock ticker. I don't know how buying is it like a domain name where you pay fifteen dollars. I don't a year? actually know. <laughs> Why aren't we squatting stock tickers? <laughs> we <laughs> should buy YOLO and FOMO. I don't know if you buy them or if you like reserve them or what, what oh, how it works, but uh, yeah, he's reserved IPO A through, a through Z, Z, A through Z, but yeah. they're not public companies. How do how does that work? He hasn't actually done the S one, so I, I don't know. Um, but IPOE, 
uh, officially announced SoFi, which is the company that helps people refinance their college debt, uh, as well as they've now expanded into a bunch of other debt markets, uh, announced the, the merger with them, which will be happening soon. Um, I know Comron and I both bought some IPOE this week and are super excited about, about SoFi. Their, uh, their revenue numbers are super impressive. They're growing. Uh, they're projecting growth of about 43% a year for the next several Ooh. years. So, um, And uh, colleges are not getting any cheaper. Yeah. Well, it's, that's interesting, though, because a lot of people are saying that's the next bubble. And <laughs> I'll never use that phrase again, a lot of people, because I sound like our president. <laughs> but I've heard this theory being uh, spread by other people. <laughs> a lot of people, you might say. <laughs> like, do you, is that a big risk for SoFi? Because if, you know, in 2008, a lot of people were doing the CDOs, they were selling mortgages here and there. If these are loans that people can't pay back and SoFi is taking on all these loans, are they just one big target that's about to go down? It's a great question. I do think it is probably the biggest risk for uh, the the company. The question, I guess, of what a smart finance person would call the fundamentals of the market <laughs> and the fundamentals of student debt and what that uh, really looks like. I guess it depends on how much of that they themselves hold on their balance sheet. And I, I don't know the actual in-depth details of uh, the way that they so there's a that. website called Wikipedia that will Ooh. allow us to research various topics. <laughs> various topics. And so one of them is SoFi. <laughs> they have a Wikipedia article on that. Wow. And uh, this is what they say about SoFi. They have, they have a non-traditional underwriting approach focused on lending to financially responsible individuals. Right. So they probably wow. hook up. <laughs> That's revolutionary. Non-traditional. Yeah. I mean, if I would have thought of that, I would have been a fucking billionaire. I mean, I get, I'm guessing the kind of stuff they're probably doing is actually hooking into a lot of the data that is available now. Uh, you could hook directly into you all of my... just look at somebody's LinkedIn profile? I don't know. Well, yeah. Social profiles. Also, you can look at banking history. Like... Oh, you can yeah. hook up into my that Chase account. That would take a lot longer and, back then. Right. And, and honestly, people... Did <laughs> <laughs> back in the, the olden the, days. Yeah, the age before computers. That would take a lot right. longer. I, no, I mean, I think people didn't even do it. And a lot of lenders still don't. If you look at... All they're looking right. at is how much cash do you have and what's your debt-to-income ratio. But, uh, let, let's, let's get into this a little bit. If times are good, everyone's got a job, everyone's gainfully employed, everyone's at their, their startup. Their credit looks good. You know, everyone's working at their startup that's funded and it has their foosball tables. Everyone looks like a financially responsible person then, right? No matter what skills you have. Yeah. Then, you know, funding shores up or what's what's funding reigns in? Funding shores up. What's the, the, the term there? Anyway, funding goes dry. Dries, dries up. Dries up. <laughs> and... and and now the people that are actually good at their jobs are the only ones employed. And it turns out that's not a vast majority of people. Now SoFi is sitting on a bunch of debt that people can't pay I back. Mean, I would probably argue that that should have happened in the last 12 months. Um, I know that the stock market has obviously been doing quite well. But the, the majority of our 
economy and the number of people that are gainfully employed has has been uh, worse than the Great Depression or as bad as the Great Depression over the last That's 12 true. months. That's true. So I think we should be able to look at, and, and I think they've actually had a couple of great quarters leading up to this. So um, if in times of 20 plus percent unemployment, SoFi is still seeing good repayment rates, I'm sure they saw some dips. And that would be, I think, if you wanted to make a significant investment into IPOE, aka SoFi, uh, that would be a great place to, to research is what did their repayment rates look like during during the COVID crisis? Exactly. So over over sort of Q3 and Q4 of last year, right? what were their repayment rates? And if right. they were still good, then they're not recession proof, but pretty damn it's as good as you could be, I'd say, because those are... I know a lot of folks just graduated college, a lot of people, uh, and <laughs> they a lot of them are having trouble finding. It's a terrible job market right now. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the lesser known things here. Okay. The the two that pop out to me are Ivan and uh, Switchback. What's Switchback? <laughs> I thought you knew what Switchback was. <laughs> Wait, where is it? It's right there. It's Switchback 2. That's a cool name. I, I'm sure it's interesting. <laughs> well, I yeah. own... Uh, so I, I bought into a company called Switchback Energy. The ticker oh. is SBE. SBE is a SPAC that is taking ChargePoint public. Uh, uh. ChargePoint is the nationwide network or maybe even global network of electric vehicle charging stations. Um, I'm, I'm definitely very bullish on electric vehicles and climate tech, and, and I think SBE is a great um, great investment to make if you're, if you're bullish on and long on that. Let's, I, let's mention, by the way, a little bit, these words get thrown around, bullish and long. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's bullish and bearish. Bullish means you think it's going to go up. Bearish means you think it's going to go down. Because bulls uh, pull and bears, bears claw. claw down. Right, so a That's bear market is going down, and a bull market is going is is aggressive and going up. Yep. And going long means that you believe in the long term prospects of this business. It it is a reference to option trading, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some <laughs> point. Uh, you can short something, and you can be long on something when you are buying options. I, is is that where long and short comes from? Yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and if uh, you have a correction, then you can tweet at us <laughs> and we'll ignore you. <laughs> okay. And I don't, so there's a company called Switchback 2, which is going public, which has nothing it's to do back. with the Switchback that you were talking about. Right. So that's interesting. That, like we said, domain squatting. You could, you could go public with a company that sounds exactly like another company. Like... Oh, that happened with Zoom, right? There was yeah. there was a, a, a stock called a, Zoom. Yeah, a stock called Zoom. Zoom. ZM. Yeah, so be careful. Zoom info, they're doing great. Yeah, that one of the things you got to be careful about is you know know what you're buying. That I think that's that's an important tip that yep. you learned right from here. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna move on to what we did, what we personally did this this week, right? That's the next stage of this podcast so we're getting to the end here we're getting to the end which is yeah. kind of sad i don't have any other plans tonight <laughs> so <laughs> fletcher you did a lot of movements this week do you want to talk about those well movements? those weren't this week 
That's just my list of SPACs I've I've invested in oh, in general. So we're going to talk about SPACs and in, in, specifically in SPACs. Yeah, I mean it's a SPAC SPACs episode. That we're right? in. So we mentioned IPOB already, aka Open Door, which was a, a SPAC. My first SPAC that I did, I didn't even know what they were at the time, was actually in Virgin Galactic, which was was Shamoth's very first SPAC. Wasn't he CEO um, of that company? I don't know. Um, he may have been, but. Yeah, they took that one public via SPAC, I want to say in 2019, maybe even even earlier than that. So that was my first one. And then last year, I got a lot more involved. So IPOB, aka Opendoor, um, MVAC, uh, which was also a SPAC that Shamoth was involved in. There's, there's four now that I've invested in uh, that he's been involved in. IPOB, IPOE, which we talked about, which is SoFi, MVAC, which is now... MP. So MP is one of my best performing SPACs, which is is MP Materials. So this is a company that has unique rights on some precious metals and materials that are really important for us as we continue to pursue both energy independence and manufacturing independence from the rest of the world. Uh, there's there's only so many precious metals around the world. Um, so I'm so, one of them. That's true. Uh, and then <laughs> the the last Shamoth related one was called TRNE, which is now Desktop Metal, which is a 3D printing, 3D manufacturing company that I'm very, very bullish on uh, and long on. I'm bu- we're always bullish and long here at we the are. Talk. We podcast. We are. I think one of our driving philosophies is it doesn't really. We don't know shit about day trading. We don't day trade. Like the the downside of getting hit by a short-term capital gains tax, because there's a difference between selling after one day versus selling after one year, right? right? It's just, in the end, it's not worth it. And if you buy a stock, you should buy a stock to hold it. Right. Because you believe in that company, because that company is doing something real and tangible. Right. And I've never looked back and gone, wow, I'm really glad I sold. That's never been something that I've Because you've only been investing in a bull market. But yeah. Right. True. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, some stuff did go... A lot of stuff did go down in 2020. Yes. 2020 has been rough. I I am lucky that I pretty much only know tech. And so I'd invested in primarily only tech. And tech went up a lot in 2020 compared to the rest of the market. I think the philosophy of buy and hold for a very very long periods of time, it's the Warren Buffett philosophy. It is a tried and true concept that I think it requires a lot of patience and can be very successful. So so yeah, those are the the Sermoth ones. Uh, I just me- I mentioned SBE, which is ChargePoint, another very hot SPAC that I have not yet invested in is called PSTH, uh, which this is... This is the Pershing Square? Yeah. Bill Pershing Ackman? Square, yeah. So very... Smart guy. Famous, smart investor. Good looking guy. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> good looking guy. It's, I think that's what you need investing. You just gotta be good looking. Um, good thing for us, huh? Yeah. We're already there. <laughs> yeah. We got a face for radio. That's how we're doing this podcast. Um, and then there's a couple others that are... That are super early. I don't have much to say it's about that. a good name, yet. too. Bill Ackman. You really got to trust that. It's not like Coleman. <laughs> Can we talk about Ivan and, and Foundry? I don't know a ton. So I, I, Ivan.u, uh, someone rec- recently sent over to me 
Uh, I think it's uh, a robotics... It's an energy company now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's... There's a lot of credibility in that. Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> We've done our research on this one. Yeah. Uh, clearly. That so. reminds me of a time when I was living in college with my senior year roommate. His name is Arthur. Shout out to Arthur. Uh, and... Our door was open. It was the summertime. We didn't have any air conditioning. And these two girls, they, they, they were our neighbors. They came down. <laughs> and they're like, hey, we're doing some small chat. And, you know, as, as college students do. And they asked us, do you guys have roaches? Because we've been getting some roaches. And then, super embarrassing question, right? Like, and I was like, no. And then Arthur said yes at the same time. <laughs> So I was like, no, yes. And we're just like looking at each other like, oh my God. That's great. So not a good look when you are not on the same page. Ivan U is an energy company. Cool. Um, okay. So Nothing to do right with the robotics. Uh, no. <laughs> you're convincing though. I got to say you're very convincing. Energy transition space. So um, don't know a lot. Uh, and then the other one. Don't know a lot. Okay. <laughs> Is a group out of Boulder that uh, we are... Boulder, Colorado. Idaho? Okay, Colorado. That uh, we right. are pretty familiar with. That's where we used to live. I used to live. And <laughs> Skull buffs. <laughs> fuck them up, fuck them up, go see you. Okay. A while ago, uh, Foundry Group just announced their SPAC, which is the ticker CRU. And it is currently unit, so it's CRU.U. What does that stand for? CRU. Colorado. No clue. Okay. No, I don't think so. How much does it cost to make us back? I don't know. Very useful information here <laughs> at the Stonky Tonk <laughs> podcast. We're probably at time here. I think we've been going. We're probably at time here. This is a fun Stonky time. Stonky Tonk listeners. Can, can you believe that we managed to think this was a good idea? <laughs> it's been ten, 10 months of quarantine is how long it takes to delude ourselves that we are interesting people. We actually thought we were interesting people to make a podcast. If you are Remember, still here, don't tell your friends. Yeah, don't tell your friends. We will give podcast. you money if you don't tell your friends. We will donate money if you don't tell <laughs> actually, your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll give you money. <laughs> and if you still manage to stay to tolerate us all the way through to the end of this podcast, give yourself a pat on the back and thank you. Wait, do we have anything else to say? Are you sure? All right, because I have nothing else to do tonight. <laughs> All right, well, these episodes are going to get long yeah, because they're of gonna our lack long. of social yeah, life. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, well, thank you for being with us, and have a wonderful day. I was going to say, we love you. You're very special people. Yeah, you can people. say that. We love you. You're... <laughs> That's a good one. We love you. You're very special people. <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> Uh, all right. Man, that was fun. I felt like an insane person.